Welcome to a new episode of Blue Jay Bite. Now here's your host, my dad, Brian Ott. All right, well, we are live for another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Brian Ott alongside Matt DeMoranis. Want to give a big shout out to all the folks at Script Town Brewing. There's John Schulte walking in, one of the other owners of WhiteAndBlueReview.com. That's who we're with, WhiteAndBlueReview.com. We're the uh, web's go-to source for Creighton Blue Jays uh, news, commentary, highlights, all the podcasts, all the casts. All the casts and the pods. Everything. Um, Yeah, not a lot to talk about, I guess, tonight, Matt. (laughs) Should we just talk about, like, fall baseball or? Yeah. No. Yeah, so tough, um, tough weekend for the Jays. Uh, men's, well, should we start on a positive jam? You want to go women's hoops first? Let's go women's you wanna, hoops. You want to end negative? I don't right. want. Right. Yeah, right. We'll start positive, <laughs> um, and then go end negative. Get progressively worse as we go. Yeah, on. so Creighton women's basketball. They beat Wichita State. They sweep their rivalry week, which yep. started on the previous Sunday against Nebraska. They beat. Uh, is it UNO Omaha? Yes. Like, what do you call it? Nebraska Omaha UNO. Okay, yeah, the Mavs. Yeah. Is it the Lady Maps or uh, the Mavs? I, I don't want to get all weird I, with, like, because it's not the Lady Jays. Anybody yeah, ever talks that? Just, the, yeah. I think they stopped with the Omaha's team thing. I haven't seen that as much lately. Oh, okay. I think they were really hyped for that Omaha's team stuff, and then they were like, sure. all right, let's go play Creighton and stuff, and then, like, like they kept losing. No, like, oh, like, yeah. I forgot. We can't really call Omaha's ourselves team. that if we keep taking L's. So, yeah. They, UNO. They beat UNO. Okay. And then they go and they beat Wichita in Wichita, in which Wichita. is always a great thing. Yeah. Like, that's parade worthy to me. Parade worthy. <laughs> Mentally. <laughs> Anytime we can do that. But uh, Flans team, Jalen Agnew goes back home, correct? Yep. Gets a big Hangs that dub. Plays well. Gets back in the swing of things. Yeah, she got on a Big East honor roll this week. Probably had like an outside shot at player of the week. But uh, I think Villanova's Mary Gadeka won it. But she, yeah, she has pretty good numbers too. So it's legit. Um, but yeah, she averaged like I mean, she came back and you know she was a little bit apprehensive about how the shot was gonna look. And I mean, if you know anything about Jalen Agnew, I guess um, she's really turned into a pretty proficient sharpshooter from three. Um, you know, over her last forty games, I think she's at forty-one percent. Uh, you know, and she came into Creighton um, out of high school as kind of like an athlete with some potential. And you know, her redshirt year, she really improved that jump shot, and now she's just a sniper. So. Um, yeah, she comes. I mean, she she went three for six in her first game back against UNO, uh, which was way better than the day before when she was having trouble kind of like with the touch and the distance and all that. She's still wearing a little bit of a brace on the injured hand, so uh, there was some there was some experimentation going on from her part. But she went three for six against UNO, then came down, went down to Wichita, went six for twelve. So uh, if 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 the brace is bothering her jump shot. She's not, uh, not yeah. showing. She's going to be up at 60% once that thing comes <laughs> off. <so. laughs> right. Um, yeah, but no, it's – I mean, she's just – she's turned into a complete player. So now I think if she can put a healthy stretch of basketball together, we'll see that. Um, you know, it goes down to Wichita, 22 points, uh, five boards, a career-high seven assists, knocked down six threes. Um, defensively, blocking shots, getting steals, deflections, um, really impactful on the end of the floor too. Uh, so she's yeah she's hit the ground running since she got back so it's good to see for them because they got to a rough start but it's not like insurmountable to get themselves back into an at large conversation when you look at their resume so far I mean South Dakota and South Dakota State and Drake are all really really good teams like top ten top fifteen RPI teams so far so those aren't bad losses uh, the South Dakota State one was a lopsided loss 
an ugly loss, but it's not one where um, it's probably going to kill you on selection Monday. Um, so then they've got Florida State on the road coming up here in the next one, uh, South Florida as well. And then uh, they'll finish with Vanderbilt and then go on the road for DePaul and Marquette uh, to open Big East play. So it's a tough road stretch coming up, but they have some chances for some for some quality wins to play some NCAA tournament teams. So getting getting Jalen Agner back into the fold and getting her back into the mix and, you know, getting her all, you know, comfortable and um, not rusty and things like that is huge for this team right now at this point in the season. So uh, they're back to 500, 4-4 four four with the 3-0 and week against their rivals, um, as you mentioned. And Jalen Agner's played really well. Audrey Faber's played really well. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good sign for – what they got going on in the gym right now. And their new practice facility, almost ready. Yeah, when's the, were they going to do like a ribbon cutting or? I'm not sure when, but I think it should be ready for use and by the end of the month, I think. So okay. by the time they get conference play. So when they get back from Florida from yeah, their trip. So yeah. when they come back, and I think they'll host Villanova and Georgetown for their first two home games of conference play, they probably will have that practice facility up and running by then. So that should be pretty fun. That sounds fun. Let's segue to not fun. How's that sound? Not should fun? You want to go right into the not fun part? Sure, because I'm going to rely heavily on you tonight, uh, like I always do. But, uh, yeah, I know you were down in Lincoln, Pinnacle Bank Arena. Some of the crowd to come in and bring their inputs in? Like <laughs> I think we're okay, because <laughs> there might be some sleeper some cells around yeah. here. Who knows? Might get some, some, some uh, Go Husker chance on here or something. But, yeah, so, uh, Matt, you went down to Pinnacle Bank Arena. You were – I know you're neutral. Obviously, yeah, a member of the it's media. It's not neutral down there, though. Right. Even, even in among my, the, even, my, uh, even among the media. Would be, yeah, yeah. Right. I and really when you, when you go down the list, I really like, couldn't tell. I really when you couldn't go down tell. The list, there's a lot of like. I think the best way to say it is there's a lot of there's a lot of people covering the Huskers now that were taking undergrad classes at UNL the last time. Sure. A Nebraska basketball team beat Creighton, so it was a day of celebration down there in all parts of the arena. The media. Uh, landscape has changed, so obviously um, uh, coverage is a little different these days. A little bit more commentary, maybe a little less black and white. So yeah. fans um, probably feed off that, though. They probably like a little homerism. Oh sure, you right? know, Like I think they feel like anything down the middle and the other direction on that one is like bad for recruiting or whatever it is. Like they don't want to hear any of that type sure. of stuff. So. Any type of hope or homerism they can get in their coverage is probably the stuff they'll embrace the most. Right. So I guess I get it from a business standpoint. It makes sense. Yeah. So. And so, I mean, I think they had a lot to cheer for. Um, obviously, the game started off a uh, little nip and tuck back and forth um, to about the under 16, and then Nebraska kind of extended things. Um, I know that a young Jays team going down there, first true road game of the year. Um, what were your impressions maybe at that under 16 timeout? Let's break this thing down maybe – Stage by stage or phase by phase, because we have nothing else to talk We're about. We're gonna tonight. get about eight minutes in before the thing you don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm just gonna warn you on that one. So. I don't really want to talk about it at all. <laughs> I'm only here because John and Jill. It started getting ugly about like 12 minutes. I only so. got. I'm only here because John and Jill hooked up some amazing audio. Now everything <laughs> is fixed here. Script Town has sounded beautiful tonight. Yeah. Um, we're gonna have a lot of uh, interviews, live interviews, some guests upcoming in the next couple weeks, and we have a big um, we have a big viewing party to talk about too for the New Year's Eve afternoon game against Providence, but let's just break this thing down okay. before I start to get upset, and then we'll just segue. <laughs> we can blow past some shit, and we'll be good there. So, first first four minutes in the books, what were your impressions? How did the team respond to being down in the first true road game of the year? 
um, amidst a pretty hostile crowd. I think I think both teams came out ready to like throw punches um, figuratively. Okay. Uh, maybe not, not cross town classic literally. Style. Who knows how it would have gone? You know, there wasn't any hard fouls, so they didn't get a chance to throw real ones. But I think both teams came out like with a big sense of urgency. James Palmer Jr. certainly uh, came out with an understanding that Creighton was gonna. I don't know if Creighton, if he felt Creighton was going to give him the three-point shot or if he just wanted to put it in Creighton's mind that he was going to take the three-point shot. Sure. But he came out really aggressive. I mean, the dribble pull-up into some three, he hit a fadeaway three, he hit a catch. All, he hit three different types of threes. So he hit a dribble pull-up, he hit a fadeaway off a catch, and then a catch and shoot off of a, a, a screen that he – a flare screen. So three different types of threes he hit. That's usually a bad sign because he's not a great three-point shooter. Sure. Um, so when he hits three different types of threes, <laughs> yeah. kind of like – Okay, so we don't really know what to take away because he's kind of feeling it now. Right. And he was. I mean, he was getting the crowd involved, and uh, all of those threes were money. It wasn't like he, you know, rattled any of them in. Uh, they were all online and perfect. Um, but Creighton answered. You know, like Creighton was there. They were in the fight early. Um, certainly this segment we're talking about. I mean, Damian Jefferson got to the rim for a putback dunk. He got fired up from that. Tyshawn Alexander came down and – um, hit a cold-blooded three in transition, stop and pop in someone's face and started talking to the crowd after that. And he had a fadeaway off of an out-of-bounds play. Um, so Creighton was in it, you know. Martin got a ball, got a, got a catch and score at the rim over Roby. Um, first round, so it was first like, round Roby? Yeah, First yeah, round Roby? So, right, right. Okay. So they were, like, they, were, they were exchanging early. I, I think Creighton maybe wasn't ready for a sustained – output in terms of firepower from Nebraska because they kept firing. They kept taking the shots Creighton wanted them to take. Sure. The shots that Creighton game planned for them to take, um, and they kept hitting them. So I think there was like a little bit of a – it sucked the wind out of Creighton's sails in terms of, you know, just like they're, we're, we're execu- we feel like we're executing our game plan and it's not working. Sure. And then it started to get ugly. Um, so you're looking, for, you're looking for plan B in the middle of a firefight, and you're not – you right. know, your shots aren't falling. It's not like the yeah, other yeah. team is going to stop and be like, hey, guys, catch up. Hey, exactly. Go exactly. figure it out. It just cut out of hand. It just cut out of hand. It got out of hand. And, uh, you know, by the time Creighton got back into it, because really, I'm, it's, it's going to sound silly to say this, like Creighton or Nebraska was up 45-24 and 43-22 or whatever. Yeah, sure. And after that, it was like an even game. So that's silly to say that. Like after, Creighton, after right. Nebraska kicked him in the teeth. Uh, Creighton didn't go Leveled down. Out, like, yeah. Right. Like uh, so, I mean, that just was, means you're the that just means you're the bloody guy at the exactly, end of the heavyweight exactly, fight yeah. that looks like shit. Right. Yeah. Just but hey, I didn't in, go in, down. In too big of a hole to come out of. Right. Um, but that's what it was. So like, yeah, that initial burst um, and Creighton's initial game plan going haywire uh, was just too much to overcome. And Left you know, props to Nebraska because they played really well. I, I I mean, Creighton scored on them, so defensively, I don't know if Nebraska's going to say that's their best game of the year. Yeah, hanging 75. Um, yeah, yeah, they shot the ball well, and certainly Mitch shot the heck out of it. Um, yeah, Mitch Ballot goes 7 to 10 from 3. Um, all of his shot attempts were uh, beyond the three-point arc, and he kept the Jays kind of single-handedly in there for a while, even at the bridge right there before the f- right before halftime, knocking down some threes, and then out of the break, too. He cuts it to 10, um, and the Jays get a stop and get the ball, trying to get it down to 8. Um, I know we've just segued over a large part, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were there were a few of those moments, too, where Creighton kind of had an opportunity to be – I characterize it like this. They stayed in the fight, but they never made Nebraska sweat. Sure. And I think that would have been interesting because Nebraska, I think, came in with the understanding that they're going to erase history tonight. Like, 
seven in a row is not going to be eight. Uh, for Miles, six in a row isn't going to be seven. For Glenn Watson, three in a row isn't going to be four. Right. Um, like all those things that like, yeah, you know, you haven't beaten a Brad Creighton. This it's not a rivalry if you don't win a game. Like all that, all those kind of narratives that were playing into their mind. The Minnesota loss was disappointing. So it's like, were they looking ahead? You wonder. Um, but it just, it, you know, at the moment where I felt like if Creighton could put a run together get it to single digits or even like two or three possessions, sure. then you make Nebraska have to make a high-pressure play for the first time all night, yeah. which didn't happen. So sure. every time Creighton got to a point where next stop and score does something good, makes that moment happen, makes Nebraska feel some pressure, uh, makes the crowd have like that that nervous – you know you know when crowds like have that nervous – Oh, yeah. Like, let's, uh, all yeah. Right, let's go, guys. Like, I've been in a couple. Messing, right, enough right. messing around like that. Right. It's like that nervous energy, you know. The crowd never felt nervous energy. Nebraska never felt nervous energy. Every time Creighton had it within like 10 or 11, they got a stop. Their first shot defense was good. They got a stop. Yeah, but they would throw an outlet pass away. They yeah. would fumble a rebound. Sure. Uh, Jacob Everson had a lob at the rim at a, in a 10-point game that he fumbled. I so think like, that was the one I was looking at because I was following the stats, driving over to uh, Central Iowa for a family deal, and saw they got a – Mitch got the three. Jays get a stop. They go in transition, and I just see it says – Jacob Epperson missed dunk, and mm -hmm. the five foot seven in me is like, "You're seven feet tall. How do you miss a dunk?" <laughs> I'm sure it was a tough play. Yeah, it just he didn't miss the dunk. He just it, it didn't even he couldn't uh, corral the lob was what happened. So um, happens to the best of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that was a big moment because all those like so all those moments were big because when Creighton didn't, they came down and just ice cold drill. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure. The missed dunk turned into a transition three for Glenn, Watson. Yeah. Uh, the missed rebound turned into a three for Copeland. Like all those sorts of things happen, and, and still Creighton was down 17. The crowd was in it. Copeland had just like Copeland had just put a putback dunk that really got the crowd fired up. Sure. Um, so Nebraska looked like they were like, all right, here's their final moment of stepping on the gas and putting this game away. And then Creighton hits them with a 7-0 run in a minute 19. That's yeah. a 10-point game. Miles has to call a timeout, and you're like, okay, there's a chance now. The last did Doug one, did Doug McDermott call it for him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little tough yeah. to solve. With, so with five minutes left, you felt like this is your last one. If you can make this run and get it to like four or five with three minutes left, yeah, you're gonna really put a lot of pressure on this crowd and this team for the first time all night. Can you? Then you then it's about who closes it right there. Yeah. Um. So they call the timeout uh, before Nebraska's offensive possession. Creighton's put seven straight together. They're down ten with. Uh, 6.05 left on the clock, I think, okay? So plenty of time left to erase 10 more. Sure. Um, Creighton plays great defense for about 24 or 5 seconds. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even played great defense on the shot and forced a really bad miss by James Palmer. But um, Tyshawn, I haven't seen the replay, but and they didn't show the replay in the in the arena, one of the only replays they didn't show in the arena <laughs> of a foul call. Um, but Tyshawn Alexander got him on the elbow or something. Um, and Palmer, oh, Palmer went, yeah. Yeah, and then Palmer went and hit three straight free throws Ball game. Uh, to make it 80 to push the lead up back out of the game. But that was like that was that was probably the biggest moment of the game right there in terms of whether Creighton was going to be able to actually pull that comeback off or not, or at least make it interesting. Interesting. Sure. Um, but yeah, every time they were like there to make it interesting, Nebraska made a play. So you, you just got to credit to them because they didn't let Creighton put any pressure on them all it night, pretty much. Obviously, it was the first taste of this uh, interstate rivalry for. Um, a lot of the guys on the on the Jays team, um, especially compared to some of the established starters um, wearing red that night, what were your takeaways at the end of the night from how the new guys got acclimated, 
Um, obviously, Mitch and Tyshawn, guys like that, aren't happy to see the streak end on their watch. But um, kind of knowing where this team is right now and the inexperience that's there, I know that some of that inexperience goes out the window. You know, you're a month into the season now. You play the number one team in the country. Um, you've got a nice trip down to the Caymans on your belt. Well, What's it look like for this team right I now? I will say this was a new experience for them. They hadn't played sure. a road, they first played a road, road game. game. Yeah. So for it to be this hostile in your first road game, um, I definitely don't think they'll face an environment like that the rest of the year. That's for sure. Because You mean at DePaul they won't have the same <laughs> sort of all st- – <laughs> No, I What's it called I, now? Wind trust. Wind trust. Arena. Yeah, I think yeah. it'll be slightly less <laughs> hostile than it was. Okay, maybe a little bit. Sure. Because um, I love you, DePaul. DePaul's, hung, DePaul's desperate for a win too. I love you, DePaul. So. Hey, yeah, there's a lot of desperation <laughs> a lot going of desperation. on, right? Um, I do. I, I don't know if they were rattled, but I think they were surprised at how crazy it got. Cause, and it wasn't like loud. It was loud and hostile. Like the chants were of Greg's the cheater were loud and clear all the way across the court. Like he, they were ringing through the arena. So I know the players heard them. Yeah. Um, I mean, David Vince said his ears were like rattling, you know, his ears were like shaking and ringing. And like every time he would try to like give instructions, you can't even hear that's the a lot words. Of, that's a lot of, of that's a lot of, that's yeah. a lot of pent up football frustration yeah. getting let out. Yeah. I mean, the starting lineups, Creighton starting lineups. I didn't hear a word. Sure. Like I couldn't hear a single name. They, they, they could have said Doug McDermott was back in the lineup. I wouldn't have heard it. Like, um, it was crazy there. So, yeah, there was a lot of whatever word you want to use for it um, in terms of how bad Nebraska wanted that game. Sure. But from every fan in the arena, and I mean nearly every, there were hardly any Jays fans in there, and if they were, they weren't wearing blue. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a crazy environment. And, you know, I think, I think the way Creighton responded to it late in the game Trying to put pressure on Nebraska, trying to you know scratch their way back into it, is is a good sign considering how inexperienced they were in that type of atmosphere. Um, I think it'll only help. Um, I do agree to that. Looking, I mean, I understand looking for a moral victory in a rivalry game is falling on deaf ears. We but don't, we don't. I'm do still that. looking big picture. A we little don't bit. do that shit here. Yeah, I'm still looking big picture a little bit though because they have a tough one against Oklahoma, who's a really good team coming up. They're better, um, they tough road they're better than Nebraska. East. I mean, let's be honest. Oklahoma is. I think there's an argument for that, for sure, yeah. I That's no argument. I mean, the, the way Nebraska played on Saturday, I don't know whether there's many better than that. But, uh, blind squirrel. Blind squirrel, <laughs> if you will. Um, yeah, I just think there's lessons to be learned early in the season, as long as they aren't, you know, rattled by if – they're, if they're, I'll tell you what. If they're ever rattled by a crowd, a road crowd, later in the season – I'll worry that they didn't learn a lesson. Well, yeah, I mean, you I don't, they're never going to face as much hostility as they face on Saturday. Only thing Not I, even half as much. Yeah, because you would think, you know, Villanova, I think they're still uh, breaking in their new digs, and they would expect to beat Creighton every time they come to that building now. Uh, St. John's, I mean, they're, they play that game at current seconds, so yep. that might be the, – the crowd's on top of you there. That's pretty good, but, I Providence, mean, I, I, really I mean, New Year's Eve, Providence is always a good one, but – That'll be kind of jacked, yeah. Again, it's uh, they're not going to face anything like what they faced on Saturday. Sure. They will. It won't even be close. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like all the bad news Creighton was in this off season was front and center on Saturday. Like kids in FBI uniforms Sweet. passing out hundred dollar bills, like giant hundred thousand dollar checks with like a blue jay in the middle of it. Like um, the chance of Greg's a cheater. Like those things. Every time Creighton was at the free throw line, that thing was loud and clear. Like it was like. In your ears, nice. If you were wearing speakers and listening to your favorite like playlist, like they they won't face that type of thing ever the rest of the year. So um, if they're ever like I said, if they're ever rattled by an environment going forward, I'll be surprised because 
they handled. I didn't think they were rattled by this one. I thought Nebraska played well enough, and the crowd got them early. Yeah, and got into it, and the game got out of hand. But I thought Creighton fought back and stayed in it and tried to make it a game at certain times and had opportunities to. I know it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, but I really didn't think they were shook by the early start. I felt like they, after a few timeouts, they were like, "All right, here's how we're going to get back into this game." And, and you know, Mitch Balakitz goes crazy at the end of the first half. Um, he went four for four from three in the first half, and he bangs one at the end to make it 47-34 with like a few seconds left just before the break. And immediately turns to the student section and lets every single one of them know something. Like, I don't know what he told them, but he told them something. It was yeah. very demonstrative. It was hard to, uh, you know, everybody in the crowd saw it. Um, so they were they were telling, like, them that we're not going to back off here. Like, you might beat us, but we're not going to fold. Sure. You know, we're not going to lay down for you. So that's that was the encouraging part of what came out of that. The discouraging thing is... That's a four straight game. Creighton has a lot of opponents to shoot over 50% from the field. Yeah. Um, you didn't feel like the Nebraska team would ever score 94, even if you gave them, like, three halves to do it against Creighton. So, like, right. there, there are some issues, no doubt, coming that. But I think they're all basketball-related. I don't think they're, like, mental. So. But let's talk more about that because I famously – Coach Darren DeVries would be on the scout for Nebraska almost yeah, that every single we, year. We can stop that one, too. because I, I love D-Rock. But and I heard, but I heard a lot of way too much. Like, well, if D Rock was here, like no, some, no, some no. of D Rock's teams got, I'm just got, saying, got, got like torched too. Like, right. his scouts got blown up a few times as well. So I'm just saying, it doesn't really matter who's got the scout there. You, you, you mentioned the more important part of it. It's not that that team that night shot that well. It's that the streak now is up to four games, yeah. and there's a problem because Tennessee didn't exactly let Gonzaga score 100 points, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this weekend as the Zags dropped their first one of the year. Um, you know, everybody was really impressed with the pace of that game a week ago, Creighton hosting Gonzaga and the flow of that game. But a lot of that flow has to do is we're just not getting stops. And that's four straight games in a row now, not getting a ton of stops, um, at least percentage-wise. So right. um, we, yeah, ha- we, ha- we hashtag let it fly a lot, but what's what, what are we talking about? I know that there's some Blue Jay underground message board t- chatter about defensive – Ken Palm defensive efficiencies and all these, you know. There's, there's a couple things working here in, in terms of that side of the ball. One is Creighton's defensive rebounding is really bad this year so far. So they need to get better at that. And, I, and they have players that can rebound. So it's not going to be – it's not like they can't defensive rebound. They're just not doing it They well just don't right want now. to? I'm just kidding. Yeah, they, just, <laughs> they want to run. Um, no, it's just they're not doing it very well right now. Uh, so that's an area of the game that needs to be shored up probably across the board. But, like – I just in, in terms of guarding the ball, like you knew there would be. I, I said it before the season. I said the 14-15 season, people are going to find out just how good Doug McDermott really was, because you think you can just take away numbers and then replace it with like, like you take away Doug scoring, let's just replace it by two or three players, or you know, if one guy makes a jump here, um, you'll see. But like his, it, it's more than just a statistic. It's like an, it's like how a defense. Focuses on you, how defense, how defense tries to guard you, how you move without with a guy like that on the floor. So, and then 14-15 season was what marred by offensive slumps, right? So you learned the hard way what it's like to not have Doug on the floor. This year, I felt like Creighton is going to learn what it's like, or fans are going to learn what it's like to play without Kyrie Thomas, a guy who you go into a game. And a James Palmer hitting six threes does not happen. Right. Someone hitting going for thirty does not happen. He was a one-man, one-man show in terms of 
the scouting report says this guy's their best player. Kyrie Thomas, take him away. Right. And we'll figure out how to guard the other four. <laughs> so that was so, so now me, it's like so now So let me let me just interject then. Okay. So does that not that the not that the coaching staff would sit there and be like, Okay, well we'll just do the exactly what you said, we'll just figure the rest out. But how much does having a guy like Kyrie for a couple of years, knowing that you can have that lockdown guy to take care of their best player individually, lull a coaching staff into a sense of security there to let that happen? And not with that gone, who struggles more? The other players on the court that are that are experienced. You know, Tyshawn Mitch played shared court time with Kyrie. They knew what he would do, and they knew what they then had to do. Or the coaches having to come in and be like, "Hey, uh, David Jefferson, do you want to be a defensive stopper?" Mm-hmm. Or, "Hey, Mitch Ballack, hey, do you really want to be a defensive?" Like, you don't just go around and shop that shit around. So, right. how do you make that happen as a coaching staff? Well, I think, I think they, I think they. I have identified players who they think could be those type of stoppers, but it's it's going to be matchup based because Kyrie was a guy that was a rare was rare in terms of how he guarded because he could guard multiple positions, like the way Creighton has it with with Damian Jefferson and Tyson sure. Alexander or like a Martin Crample, like those guys kind of have to be matched up with their positions. Um, so depending on who they play and who the best player is that day, they'll match up accordingly. Um, it's not going to be like Kyrie where it's like. If it's a point guard through a Doesn't stretch four, right. he's on guard that guy. Like, right. That's that's the difference, um, or one difference, I should say. Um, but, I mean, Martin talked about after the game by the locker room in Lincoln, um, you know, it's just a little bit, you know, 5% here or there. Like, yeah, we're closing out. And if you look at it, Creighton was closing out. Like, Nebraska didn't get wide, wide open threes, but the closeouts were just a little bit too short. Sure. The hand was just a little bit too short on the, on the contest. Like, those types of things can be corrected. So – they don't need to find somebody with a mentality like Kyrie, but all of them collectively just need to be a little bit better in terms of like how quickly they're closing out on three-point shooters, um, how well they're boxing guys out and cleaning up the glass, um, like all those areas, defensive rebounding and getting out on shooters and uh, moving your feet and staying in front of the ball and tracing the ball and contesting shots, like all, all of it. All, honestly, all of it needs to get better, I think, um, if Creighton wants to be an NCAA tournament team this year. Because they have a lot of firepower, which is great, but they're they're gonna they're gonna lose games because they're gonna get outscored, um, and we've seen it now. Yeah, like we've seen Gonzaga twice. We've, I mean, Creighton scored. Here's the thing: Creighton scored 92 points against Gonzaga and 75 points against Nebraska. They got two. I would L's. argue I, two lopsided L's. Yeah, we, we, two double-digit losses. Like, yeah, two double-digit losses. Fair. I would argue that 92 points against Gonzaga on a normal day is enough to win a basketball game, especially at the CHI Center, right? You right. 92 at home. home. Yeah. Sure. And I would argue that 75 points, no matter the venue, against a Tim Miles coach team, with how prone they've been to offensive slumps and things like that uh, oh. throughout his tenure, <laughs> I would argue that 75 points is enough for them to win that game as well. But in reality, 92 was well short. And 75 wasn't even the same neighborhood. So defensively, um, it's, it's kind of a look in the mirror time because Oklahoma's got some firepower. Um, and then you're going to get into the Big East schedule where, you know, teams are going to be have physical advantages on you. Um, there's going to be mismatches athletically. All those Shamori Pons is going to score 95 points against you by himself. <laughs> and sure. You've you got those things where, like, you, you start to run into familiarity where coaching staffs on these Big East teams know your tendencies and can guard you a little bit better. So you can't necessarily just light everybody up anymore because they've got some of your tendencies down. They know how to take some of them away. Yeah. You know, all those stuff is kind of, you know, in non-conference, I think offenses tend to have better, more success 
uh, than they do in conference play. So there's going to be like a, a – the offensive numbers are going to come down. Creighton right now needs to figure out how to get the defensive numbers to improve and they've got across four, the board in order to get – you know, in order to, to continue to play well and to get better and to, you know, put some wins together this year. They've got four games to get right before conference play. Um, I know they're off this week for final exams. Um, Friday they got Green, Green Bay? Right? Yeah, for Green Bay. Uh, it's a big Green Bay weekend for me. Bears, Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Bears, Packers on Sunday for uh, for a division. Yeah, try to cough that up, to cough that up this time. Man. Uh, don't worry. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> um, yeah, so they get Green Bay on Friday night. Then a quick turn down to the Noble. I think it's Noble Arena, Noble yep. Center, something Maybe. like that. Something like that. The House Buddy Heald built. I don't know, some shit Is like that. Is the House Buddy built? No. Oh, no. Oh, okay. No. That guy was Lon Kruger that. built that thing, right? Lon Kruger yeah, did yeah. build that thing. Blake well, Griffin. Kelvin Sampson built it yeah, illegally. Yeah. <laughs> illegally, which is now, you know, right. not illegal anymore. Yeah, so I had a chance to watch Oklahoma, I guess, last week. Uh, neutral court game, MSG against um, Notre Dame. They looked pretty good. They got another one. Though. I think their only loss so far this year has been Wisconsin, Wisconsin down in uh, the battle for Atlantis. Um, which I, I which heard I watched I heard in that game. They looked bad in that game. They looked bad that whole in that whole tournament. I heard the dude. If you were in the Bahamas, would you give two f's about playing basketball, or would you just want to? I'm gonna go. I heard ball is life, though. I, that's what I did here. I heard the Jays. I'm a basketball player. I heard the Jays might be in the mix for Atlantis. That's a little birdie told me that. I don't know if you've heard anything similar. No. Okay. Because I got. I live day by day, so I just know what's day next. Day by day. Okay. So the Jays. Green Bay on a Friday night to blow off some steam after finals week. Hopefully everybody passes their tests. Uh, Oklahoma then on that Tuesday turnaround. That's really Creighton's last chance. I know the Clemson win looked great at the time. Neutral court. You claim a title. It's still good. They're going to – Top 100. No, they'll be top 100. Yeah. Um, But then really uh, following up that Oklahoma roadie, you get co-college – on Thursday, December 20th, and the Kangaroos of UMKC right before they head to Providence for a New Year's Eve afternoon showdown, which we're going to have a viewing party here for Jays fans at Scriptown Brewing for uh, that 3 o'clock tip on New Year's Eve. So before you're going out with your uh, with your honey that evening in your uh, in your tuxedo and your fancy clothes. Yeah, pregame at Scriptown then, right? Pregame at Scriptown. Yeah. yeah, sure, why not? Okay. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, have a, we'll, we'll have more information out about that here soon, but pre-game um, or uh, viewing party for the road game against Providence on Monday, December 31st, 3 p.m. here at Scriptown. But, yeah, Matt, four games here now to get something figured out defensively before Big E starts. Um, you got to obviously look at Green Bay, Co. and UMKC as wins. The question in my mind is if you're looking for that one um, non-conference win to hang a hat on, I guess they've got Clemson uh, in the back. Georgia State's a good one. Georgia State's a yeah. good one, too. And I know statistically, you know, according to the NET or whatever all those statistics are, that that'll look good. That's not a name brand school, though, when you pass the quote-unquote eye test, you know. Yeah. Um, obviously, they could have had one against Gonzaga or Nebraska. They failed to get either one of those. The question in my mind is can they get that road win at Oklahoma? I mean, based on what you saw Saturday night, I know you're not a predictions guy, but what do you think? Oh, man, I don't. I haven't seen the Oklahoma team that, that smacked Wichita last game out. So yeah, they put what? They hung up a 30 to 48. Yeah. yeah. Beat the, beat 32. The po- you know what about them. Um, sure. So I haven't seen that team. I saw them play Florida. I saw them play Wisconsin. Neither of those games were all that impressive. So, yeah, I need to watch the version of that. I need to watch the version of Oklahoma that beat Notre Dame that yeah. beat the daylights out of Wichita. Like those two, I'm curious about what the, 
And even I think North Texas is actually a pretty good win on their resume, if I have not mistaken. Sure. But I think RPI is gone. But if you look at RPI, if you look at RPI, Oklahoma's third. So um, it's, it's too bad they don't still have that <laughs> RPI around. Um, <laughs> what do they update? I'm kind of here. You keep talking. I'm going to look at the NET ratings or whatever those are called. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I need to, like, dive into Oklahoma a little bit. Obviously, Green Bay is a team that's played a tough schedule and has played some teams close. So. I don't think Creighton can just chalk that up one as an automatic dub. Certainly not the way they played on Saturday. I think they want to kind of get some of their mojo back because, you know, Nebraska was – Nebraska has a chance to, like – the Nebraska game has a chance to have some, like, a psychological ripple effect if they let it – if they let it linger too much, if they think about it too much, or if, you know, they don't get right against Green Bay looking ahead to Oklahoma, that type of thing. So, you know, it's got trap game written all over it. They just got to focus on – the task at hand, first couple of days getting better, improving the things that they didn't do well against Nebraska, and then obviously locking in on Green Bay before, you know, getting ready for the Sooners. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what to expect out of that game. Sure. I, I think I went into last week expecting Creighton to split those two roadies at Nebraska and Oklahoma. So um, I'm probably still on that boat, but I need to dive in Oklahoma a little bit more. So maybe next week I'll have a little bit more knowledge for you. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. A little more knowledge. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So pull up the latest NET ratings from NCAA.com. Familiar names here. Litter and abound this list. Gonzaga at 7. Nebraska at 16. Oklahoma at 17. Marquette, the first Big East rep, at 22. Followed by Villanova, 23. Uh, St. John's, 30. Um, Looking down the list here. Butler, 41. Really? Yeah, I know. Really? Uh, Creighton at 57 in the latest one. So right around Minnesota, Notre Dame, Oregon, VCU, some of those schools. So um, I think I think Creighton in the RPI is like 38. I know we should probably stop talking about RPI eventually, but I can't help but going back to that metric because I don't think it was that. I don't think I don't think you should because what's going to happen is there's going to be some teams that get left out of this NET deal at the end, and they're going to freak out and totally pivot the other way. Yeah. Well, the RPI said, and the so RPI this one sounds did. like what was Creighton at this one? 57. Yeah. So RPI, they were 38 last I I checked this morning. So it's about a 19 spot difference. Nebraska was 36. So what's their difference again? 20. Like 20. Yeah. yeah. So there's so. there's a discrepancy there. <laughs> they took the eye test and put yeah. it into the computer. Which is, here's the thing that's going to make me hard. It's going to make it hard for me to stop talking about RPI is like they changed the metric for men's basketball only. Yeah, and that's tough, right? Because they still that, use RPI. I don't understand why that. Ha- I know we're getting way off of like Creighton here, but like hey, I don't fine. understand why RPI is still the metric you're going to use for college baseball and volleyball and women's basketball and soccer. But then for men's basketball, you'd be like, you know what? Scrap that whole system. We're not even going to use it anymore. It's not just like it's it's one. It's not like it's just paired with other metrics now. It's gone. They're not even using it. But it still exists. So I don't understand why it's just scrapped altogether. And if you found this system that you said is for sure better, a metric far more advanced uh, than the RPI, and this is what we're going to use from now on, why you wouldn't use that for other sports as well? Like, that to me is always like something fishy, so I don't understand that. So I'm trying to figure out why. The NCAA and usually the NCAA has Come to do with the money, so I'm trying to figure out who's getting excluded from the from the money conversation. And normally it's not schools that rhyme with Creighton, right? Or right. Dayton or schools like that. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, based on Creighton being in the 60s or close to it in NET and uh, being in the 30s or low 40s in RPI, like 
is this just gonna be how it is from now on? Like, are, are we just gonna phase out the schools who aren't power leagues and use our fancy new metric to explain why we have all these schools that have popular fan bases in the NCAA tournament all these years? <laughs> that works. Um, yeah, Way so too cynical on that take. I'm not ready for hey it man, yet. You're good. I'm warming it up a little bit. I'm not there yet, but I'm just saying. The discrepancy in RPI and NET is, to me, it's large, and I don't know why we scrapped RPI. Sure. Because for, for it being flawed, it still was. Breaking news. Matt DeMarinus does not like the NET as of yet. Let's go back and just do a quick recap of how things looked in the Big East over the weekend. Um, obviously, it was a it was a rivalry weekend um, for most of the league, actually, over the course of the weekend. Well, except uh, for St. John's, who's not playing anybody yet. Right? Come on, St. John's. Those, no, they're not going to. They have, like, a good team. No, they're waiting for Big East play. Oh, man. Shamari and Mustafa and all these Someone amazing <laughs> names. So I can't believe Tariq Owen plays for who's Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah, yeah. guns yeah. up, baby, guns up. Yeah, my wife got her graduate degree from Texas Tech. Oh, she's really? a Red Raider okay. alum. Yeah, okay. Seton Hall in the crazy ass game of the weekend beats Kentucky. That at was MSG. crazy. That was a crazy game because it was so bad for about thirty five minutes, and then right. all of a sudden it turned awesome. Right, like it was like, oh my god, MSG. and everything. And that's MSG, man. Well, that's yeah, that's the square guard. Everything's has the ability to be like, oh, I realize this game isn't going very well. Let me just work some of our magic here. Right. Let's. Willis Reed like hobbles yeah, exactly. in, like the ghosts of I Mark Messier that, come like, through. I, I know magic doesn't exist and all that stuff. Oh. But like MSG has a, is a weird. That's place. what I'm saying. That place it amplifies out, like, the weirdness. Uh, like, so Seton Hall moves to six and three. Northwestern beats DePaul. Not a shock, I guess. Villanova. But how that how it happened though is pretty was kind of jarring because DePaul was whipping them for most of the game, and then Northwestern busted out like a twenty-five nothing run. <laughs> Yes, twenty-five straight points. Um, Seriously? Yeah, no, I swear to you, I'm Over. not like I'm not messing around. I'm making a it habit. Was a twenty-five over. I'm making a habit of not like paying attention to DePaul anything yeah. until we play them. So no, it was like late. In the, DePaul was up, I think, um, sixty. I don't. 40 I don't points. really care. It was crazy. <laughs> it was a crazy collapse, though. Villanova goes and wins a Big Five game against St. Joe's at uh, at Villanova at home. Thank you. Big run too. Yeah. St. Joe's got a sixteen zero run, like. Villanova's looking a little, yep. a little punchy this year. Everybody's a little, just everybody's not right, right? No, I mean not what we're used to. Marquette's getting right. I feel like they're starting to put it yeah. together. Well, I mean, Marcus Howard right. had to shoot like fifty some shots to get how many ever he got. Yeah. I mean, I know that's just his mo. But Cincinnati ends up beating uh, Xavier, Xavier at Cincinnati. I'm sure, Xavier, I'm pretty sure is bad this year. Really? I've seen them like five times, and I, I you haven't caught one that's. I haven't, been like, like, I haven't caught a good one yet. I've caught in three wins too, so. And then probably three the and two when I've watched them and I haven't seen them play well yet. Okay. So let that I mean they got issues. God. JP, not here this year. No. So blessed. No, so blessed. Hashtag blessed. Um, and then the the one that really slipped away that was tough for the for the league. Um, Syracuse uh, ties battle knocking down a game winner with two seconds left after Georgetown had uh, gone to the carrier dome and was playing pretty well, all things considered. Considering that was like their like kind of St. John's syndrome, right? Yeah. That was Georgetown's only good opportunity at a non-conference win. Um, and they lost that one. Butler, they hung the 95 on Northern Illinois. Marquette coming through in overtime against Wisconsin in a, in a big-time rivalry game for them. And then, as we talked about earlier, the Jays dropping down in Lincoln. So um, kind of a mix and match, I guess, week four. So does the NET rankings, is that a conference thing as well? Like, Or are they still going based on like conference RPI? Or is that not even uh, a thing actually anymore? I think I think the Big East is pretty good in the NET. NET, um, okay. I want to say fourth. 
third or fourth. So there. Where's the Missouri down. Valley Conference? <laughs> I'm just asking for real. Like those are the types of. Thi- if yeah. we talk about like new statistical analysis, maybe throwing shade at some of those non-power leagues. How's that come through so far? You can pick and choose that individual I teams. Mean, but I, know, I know you would have spotted some names that you would recognize uh, when you were going through that list, and I don't think you did, so let that be your answer. Sure. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the Valley's in the rearview mirror at this point, and it's not a – I mean, even Loyola has taken some lumps this year. So I, I right, they played – I thought they had an opportunity with enough players back from that Final Four. Sure. They had a chance to put together like a – And they put together a pretty decent – five type of season like yeah. they had last year, but – you know, they've, they've taken some lumps against some teams that they – because they didn't really put together all that tough of a schedule, like – because teams wouldn't – teams turned them down a lot, but they had to go to Maryland. Uh, they had to play Nevada. They lost Man, Nevada. Nevada. Have you so watched like, Nevada yet? They're yeah, good. They they're really, they're I, super experienced and just really sound. Did they, you see what they're like – they took a beating in the exhibition game against Washington. Yeah. And, like, their post game was like – like I'm cutting every player on the roster. Like Musselman, this is garbage. Yep, I'm not standing for this crap. And like I was like, dang, bro, it's the exhibition season. No, I like that guy. No, yeah, you know, he, he was. Um, I remember when whatever the whatever the uh, USA basketball team that Doug McDermott played on, yeah. he was the coach or on that staff. And I just remember he seemed um, really primed and prone for uh, for a solid coaching run wherever he was going to land for the head coaching gig. Um, so they've been really good to watch. Yeah, local kid on that team, Trayshawn Thurman. Yeah, he's from UNO. There, he's having pretty good. Yeah, year. so Sa- Omaha Central grad. He goes to UNO and then leaves for Nevada for his last year. I think last year. Or did he play two at he's UNO? Last year, he he's did. So he's got two. So he's a junior. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Trayshawn is one of those. I you know guys we talked about uh, you know local kids. Not a lot of local kids in the Creighton Nebraska game this year. Sharif Mitchell will be involved next year for sure. A Cole Arrow um, from Creighton Prep will be in the mix. Yeah, we talk, I, there was a lot of shade being thrown at this uh, game on Saturday because Nebraska finally had more Nebraska kids on their roster than Creighton did. Okay. Uh, but they kind of forgot the fact that Justin Patton and Kyrie Thomas went to the NBA early in their careers. Right. So, I, mean, I don't know that they should yeah. be throwing much shade. I don't know if you don't want to mention that, but those are two guys they Nebraska didn't even recruit that went to the league early entry right. draft picks. So. And then, Right, they, they would. Kyrie would be a senior, and Justin would be a junior. On well, plus so they would have had one more if Miles wouldn't have yanked that kid's scholarship, right? Exactly. Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we can throw. Yeah, stones. Nebraska had more Nebraska kids on their roster, but it wasn't from a lack of trying. From Creighton, they just sped up their right. They sped up their development and sent they, them off to that. They made them rich. Them they made them rich sooner. Yeah, yeah. right. Like here, uh, go get paid to play basketball. So then, um, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the week ahead for women's basketball. Um, They've got this week off, too, for finals. Yeah. And they play down uh, this weekend ahead of their trip to the Sunshine Classic in Orlando. They're actually going to play a roadie at Florida State. Yeah, that return game from last year. Yep. Yeah. So they'll play at Florida State, and then they've got two games down. It's good at getting those home-and-homes with those yeah, tough right? teams. Yeah, I love Florida. Uh, Florida State, I think, you know, they lost a lot of experience from last year's team that was really, really good. Um but did, still they, did they make a run in the NCAA tournament, Florida State? Uh, they got smacked by Buffalo in the second round Ooh. at their own in their own gym. So Buffalo Bulls, yeah. Okay. Who's they, they are a really good club too. Sure. Um, so yeah, they they made it to the second round and got beat uh, by Buffalo. But uh, yeah, they lost a lot of experience off that team, but they're still pretty good this year. I think they're off to like a seven and two start, and they just beat uh, St. John's by four. I think yesterday. Okay. Uh, yesterday or Saturday. Um, so they're they're a pretty good club. Um, that'll be a chance for a quality win for Creighton if they can get it. Um, but 
Nevertheless, it'll be another. I, I'm, it's another NCAA tournament team they'll be playing for sure. So, and then South Florida after that is their next two. So their next four. If you look at Florida State, South Florida, DePaul, Marquette, they've got five in a row on the road after the Wichita one. Um, four of those teams are going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. So that's going to be a tough slate for them for sure. It's a tough road to home. I got a question from the crowd. John asks, would the NCAA build some drama if they didn't release the first NET ratings until New Year's Eve or after the regular? Conference season starts. Say that again. How's that? Would the NCAA, much like they do with like the um, college football playoff stuff, would the NCAA build up some drama if they waited to release the first NET ratings? Because they got a lot of shit for that first set of ratings where there were some like polytechnic schools that were in the top five or top ten. You know, would they build up some drama for like a big New Year's Eve reveal? You know. Uh, Dick Clark dropped the ball, throw some NETs out there or some shit. I don't know. I tell, just like hang out. Like, yeah, all right, baby, let's Started go. Yelling. Yeah. Um, I mean, you I don't, don't have know. I, it's like, it's. <laughs> I'm throwing John a bone here. It's one of those things, like, I, I think I think a lot of a lot of schools were like, what is this stuff? Like, they probably saw it and saw some of their metrics and felt like their teams weren't judged properly. Um, because, so like, like talk, talk, I, I know, I like, we've talked about this with, like, Coach, um, um, Coach Bolovich before he left. Um, obviously, Coach Service and the baseball program, they're in tune. How much does a staff, uh, how much does the men's basketball staff at any given school pay attention to those metrics in a real-time, day-by-day fashion? They might not talk yeah. about it when you ask them in an interview or something, but what's that like? Like, do they, are, do they have their finger on the pulse? Yeah. Are they constantly asking for clarification? Are they wanting to know? Yeah, it's just what's that they, look like? They do, because it's important, because that's how they set their schedules up and all that. Like, the... They, they know. If they don't even, and if they don't talk about it, they're lying to you. Um, right. But, I mean, even with, like, Raspian on the selection committee for as long as he was and heading it up last year, um, you know, he's got a lot of insight and he's next door neighbors with Mac at the championship center. So, I mean, it's not like that. It's not a hard conversation to find. Um, but, yeah, Creighton definitely does uh, stay on the ball and try to figure out, you know, what certain games mean and things like that. I mean, volleyball does it to a great extent. But to – Volleyball does it to an extent where, like, even their players know what each match means. Like, sure. And if it's a match where it's not one that can boost your resume, they prepare for it like this is one that could kill it. So get right. ready. Like, they talk about all kinds of conversations, whether it's a resume killer. They, they give it to them honest, whether their team's like, this, this team isn't good. We need to beat them. Beat them sure. convincingly, not mess around. Um, or, the, or the flip side, if this team's really good and there's a chance to boost their resume and get us, you know, a chance to host. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about baseball though. How much Ed pays attention to that? Ed's not a not as much as the Ed's weather. Ed's not big on analytics, so I mean, <laughs> really, I don't know. Um, no, no money yeah. ball for. But like Elmar in the past, he knew what oh, sure. what RPI ramifications were, and I, I imagine Johnny knows that too. Um, yeah, so it just it just depends on the coach, depends on the program, but most of Creighton's for sure are aware of what good. It, and I think Flynn has actually done some. Uh, has been on some regional committees uh, for the NCAA tournament and things like that. So sure. he knows, you know, who to play, when to play them, where to play them type of thing, and how to schedule and build a, a non-conference that's that's tough but not, like, well, strenuous, yeah, it's but it's, like, good enough to build a real – it's worked for him. I yeah. mean, he's had that large bid. South Dakota State, those are great teams to play. Northern Iowa, Drake, all those teams. Um, so he knows how to build it. He's been on some committees to, you know, understand the process a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, most of Creighton's programs are – have some insight on it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight, Matt. Next Monday, we will be live at Scriptown Brewing. 
for another episode. We'll be sandwiched in a quick turnaround. So we'll have Friday night, uh, Creighton and Green Bay reaction to breakdown. Uh, and it'll be the eve of Creighton's trip for a nationally televised game on ESPNU against Oklahoma on Tuesday night. So we'll be able to do a little bit of a recap of Creighton Green Bay, get everybody set for the Jays at the Sooners, and break down um, some women's basketball trip to Florida State as well. Anything else you want to share with the good folks listening to the Blue Jays Bites podcast? No, let's, let's uh, everybody have a nice holiday. I feel, I it felt nice tonight. Like the audio, uh, the quality one, a big, big thanks to John and Jill yeah. here and the rest of the folks at Script Town. It sounded really nice tonight. Kind of hitting around running here. I'm excited for that viewing party on the yeah, New man. Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, That'd get this place rocking. Um, so we'll send some more information out about that as well. We'll have more details for you on uh, next Monday night's show. Um, but as always, we really appreciate the folks at Script Town having us out. Matt, really appreciate all the insight and expertise you bring to the fold here. Thanks Yours for going. Too, man. Thanks for going down. And thanks for being that emotional barometer. God, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Saturday night was rough, but we'll make we'll make do, right? Blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. So <laughs> once every seven years, you'll take one, right? You'll you'll give him one. I'll take that L. Yeah. Nah, um, you you want one every seventy, don't you? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Um, them to cancel the series and never right. want to play it again. <laughs> They could now, right? It's yeah. tied at 26 apiece. <laughs> Just call it good. Everybody stress a little less. All right, so for Matt DeMoranis and the other folks at whiteandbluereview.com, I am Brian Dot signing off saying have a great night. Go Jays.